0: What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners Live on a Monday evening. Monday night football going on. The Dallas Cowboys are up 18-0, so I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty good. It's Tom Brady on the other side, so we're not feeling too confident here. But we're going to talk Oklahoma Sooners football. We're going to talk about the transfer portal, who might be able to start. And Joel Klatt had a really interesting thought on the Oklahoma Sooners for 2023. We'll get into that. We'll take your questions on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the show. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners Live. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on ninety four seven The Ref in Norman. Josh, man, it's been an interesting offseason for the Oklahoma Sooners so far. I feel like they've made a lot of really intriguing additions, especially on the defensive side of the football. But Joel Klatt, he basically came out and said Oklahoma could be this year's the 2023 version of the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, first, just how are you doing tonight? And then I'll kind of read what he had to say. What's up, man? Uh, doing great. Probably probably about like you, right?
2: you you got to be in good spirits with what with the, the Cowboys are doing live as uh, as we're rolling with you tonight. But no, it's good, man. And I think, you know, look, I'll let you take in and run with the Joel Klatt stuff. But, uh, you know, I saw a story just the other day from CBS sports too, that basically was along those lines. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma, I don't think was on their list, but it was five losing teams that can surprise like TCU in 2023. And I think, you know, probably that's going to be uh, definitely this off season, but these uh, next couple of years, John, I mean, I think that's kind of what everybody's going to be looking for. Right. After, after a college football season ends is Okay who's going to be the next TCU, which team can go from worst to first this year in college football in Oklahoma. In that regard, you know, I know Joel Klatt kind of laid the case. Oklahoma is an interesting candidate in that capacity.
0: Yeah. So the, the premise is going from a team that had a losing season, like TCU did back in 2022, five and seven to the college football playoff national championship game. Joel Klatt seems to think that Oklahoma could do that. He says, Uh, They were 0-5 in one-score games. All they have to do is start winning close games. Simple enough, Uh, which they should do, and they're easily a 10-win team, maybe an 11-win team. And if they're an 11-win team, in particular in the regular season, 11-1, they'll be playing the Big 12 championship game. And if you're playing for the Big 12 championship game at 11-1, guess what? You're probably vying for a playoff spot. And if you're vying for a playoff spot, guess what? You're next year's TCU. That's from Joel Klatt from Twitter. Uh that's sorry, not from Twitter, from his YouTube show on the Fox College football channel. So it's an interesting case. I, I think there is gonna be some regression to the mean, you know, regression to the average. Oklahoma was 0 and 5 in one score games, 0 and 4 in games decided by a field goal. I think that they'll get back to at least being two and three, three and two in one score games. Like at the very least, get back to splitting those. If you do that in 2022, you're an eight-win football team pushing for potentially nine wins. So with a little bit of luck, maybe they get back to just kind of being that. But I think he says some things later in the video, which I think are also intriguing, but a lot of it comes down to, to me, Oklahoma's ability to improve upon their eight-win season is going to come down to, can the defense take a step forward? Can they improve from being a team that allowed 30 points per game in 2023 allowed 35 points or more in seven games uh, all on the big 12 schedule can they improve upon that it looks like they're making the necessary additions to try to improve but is it going to come together and that's going to be kind of my wait and see a little bit on this team is I'm not really ready to project them to be a national title contender. I'm not even going to project them even to be a big 12 contender until I see them on the field against a good offense. And they're able to show me that they're a defense that they can trust.
2: Yeah. It's, it's tough to get a read on Oklahoma because well, first and foremost, the, the easy read would be, Hey, why do I think this team's going from six and seven to a big 12 championship and to a national championship game or a college football playoff appearance? Let's let's start Big 12 championship and then college football playoff appearance, right? Before you make that leap into TCU status of making the national championship game. But uh, it would be easy to say, yeah, I I don't think Oklahoma's making that gargantuan of a leap. But the other part that makes it challenging to say that, John, is, I mean, how much of the defensive personnel for Oklahoma is back that's going to be key contributors this next season off a defense that wasn't good? It wasn't good, right, in terms of total defense, passing yards allowed, rushing defense. I mean, every number that you look at defensively was not good, really, for Oklahoma in 2022. And, oh, by the way, there's Danny Stutzman's back, Billy Bowman is back, and then kind of beyond that, you know, you you kind of look at maybe, maybe an Ethan Downs and a couple of other guys. That you feel locked in are definitely back from last year's defense. And maybe that's maybe that's I'm making the argument, right? Maybe that's making the argument for why Oklahoma can make this jump is because of so much of the unknown just comes together out of the transfer portal, coalesces, and all of a sudden you're really great defensively overnight. You've added some pieces here and there offensively. The the big offensive news is Walter Rouse flipping him from Nebraska to Oklahoma as an offensive tackle. That was a position that Oklahoma really John needed to fortify with both Anton Harrison and Wanya Morris off to the national football league. We saw, we saw some nice things up front from Oklahoma versus Florida state in the bowl game, but it offers you some legitimate comfort offensively to add that extra offensive tackle into the mix. So I don't think it's the craziest thing given what the big 12 looks like next year. We're, still waiting there's buzz john that maybe maybe you're going to get a big 12 schedule sometime soon but we haven't gotten that yet but just given the big 12 being what it is right now i mean it looks gettable
0: it does it does there's not a lot of teams that i'm looking at that i think okay they're the surefire top of the heap they're the team to beat in the big 12 and so to me that gives oklahoma as good a shot as anybody to return to the Big 12 championship game and maybe win the conference. Sorry, my hand on my head was watching my kicker Brett Maher miss his fourth straight uh, extra point attempt here in uh, in the playoff game against the the Tom Brady led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But to your point about the defense, I'll go back to something I said a couple weeks ago uh, about. Several guys that were first-year starters on this team, and that's Ethan Downs, Danny Stutzman, and Billy Bowman. You know those guys; they they had solid seasons. I would say I I would I maybe even put it like above average to you know good at times. Danny Stutzman played some really good football at times. Billy Bowman as well. Ethan Downs had a really nice finish to the season. So can they kind of use the good and the bad from the 2022 season to take a step forward in 2023 as they go into? presumably their second year as starters along or for Oklahoma's defense. Cause I do think all three are more than likely going to be starting for the Sooners next season. Maybe Ethan Downs is a little bit more questionable just because of the, the edge depth that they've added this offseason. season. Um, but I still like him to probably start at that strong side defensive end position. And so can they kind of take the, like I said, the good and the bad learn from that and, and, and improve because if they're able to, to take a step forward, you combine that with the additions of Reggie Pearson at safety. Billy Bowman and Reggie Pearson at safety make for a really nice duo. I think a guy in Billy Bowman with a ton of athletic range. He's able to you know go sideline to sideline. He can play in a lot of different zone coverages, whether it's you know cover one, playing the deep middle, he can play cover two. If he's in you know cover three situations, that he's really, really good, just got a lot of range to him. And then you got a guy like Reggie Pearson who just plays fast and physical and ferocious. He's kind of what I thought key Lawrence was going to be for Oklahoma this year that didn't really transpire. And then Danny Stutzman, I mean, he's going to be starting for you at linebacker. Can you get more athleticism to go along with him? Uh, he's a good player. He's able to move and, and tackle well, but I feel like the, as much as we like David Aguibu and he had a really nice season for the Sooners, they didn't have anybody to like compliment Danny Stutzman. I think it was like two of kind of the same type of linebackers um for them and you you need a little bit of versatility you need a guy with more a little bit more speed a little bit more athleticism and yeah you get that in Deshaun you got that in Deshaun White as your cheetah but again that you're asking Deshaun White to kind of do more coverage have more coverage responsibilities can you have another linebacker that's able to flow and and you know run sideline to sideline play fast play with speed play with athleticism Jaren Cannick could be that guy Kobe McKenzie could be that guy you might have options there that allow you to help Danny Setsman a little bit better to where he's, you know, not having to try to play outside the scheme to make plays. And then on the Ethan downs, like I said, he had a really nice finish to the season. I think it was like two and a half sacks, four and a half tackles for loss over the last three games. That's strong. Like he finished tied for the league or to the, for the team lead in um, sacks after kind of really having a slow start to the season. So can all these, these three guys in particular combined with the Deshaun the McCullers, the Rondell Bothroids, the, uh, Davin Sears, Jacob Lacey's, Reggie Pearson's though, the transfer additions, in addition to your 2023 recruiting class, can all of those guys kind of come together, coalesce and take steps to helping this defense get better. I do think they can. And, you know, that'll bring us kind of to our next topic of discussion, Josh, uh, Oklahoma right now currently ranks 11th in the transfer portal rankings over at two, four, seven sports. We're going to talk here in a second about who we think might be able to be like day one starters for the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll talk about that after I talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. You got to try it. It tastes great and it's great for you. They come in 100% real chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. And they've got great flavors like peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, the mint brownie. So if you like a little bit of variety, you'll like great tasting protein bars, Built bars for you, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar. It's a great way to supplement your, your diet, whether it's, you're trying to do meal replacement or you're trying to get some, some boost before you go do your workout, then go check out built bar. They've got options where you can try multiples, where you can go to Sam's club and pick up a variety pack and it gives you a chance to try them all but you can go to built.com also and use promo code lockdown15 to get 15% off your next order over at built bar sorry, built.com using promo code
1: From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, so Josh, the transfer portal rankings, Oklahoma, number 11 in the current 247 Sports transfer portal rankings. So who do you kind of peg, and we can maybe start offensively, and you touched on it with Walter Rouse. I think he's a guy that probably comes in and steps in as a day one starter. You, you don't get a guy like that, a grad transfer with four years of starting experience at left tackled more than 2,500 snaps to flip from Nebraska to you, unless there's probably some sort of handshake agreement that, Hey, you're going to be our guy at left tackle.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a reasonable leap probably to make. Right. And, Walter Rouse, when he had announced that he was going to Nebraska, one of of the big things that he talked about was I I saw basically the pros and cons video, right? They broke down his full tape, and it was uh, kind of a meeting of the minds from the Nebraska brass that said, hey, this is how we're going to get you the NFL draft status that you want. Obviously, Oklahoma came in with the uh, the uppercut, boom, uh, and, and knocked Nebraska out cold. I don't know if there's some wrestling reference, John, that you'd like to throw in there for Oklahoma to Nebraska, but bottom line is Oklahoma, I'm sure, made a similar pitch and push about, hey, look at the track record of offensive linemen in this program. And, oh, by the way, you got a left tackle and a right tackle that in Anton Harrison and Juanye Morris, they're both going to the National Football League this offseason. So that's a pretty strong little pitch to make. And, oh, by the way, just the – snaps right this is somebody that has had 2200 snaps in his career has played a bunch of football started a lot of football he's not going from stanford to either iowa or nebraska or oklahoma to get to be second or third on a depth chart right i mean this is somebody that's started 39 games in his career he wants to be a starter at another power five program somewhere that he can hopefully win big and oh by the way enhance his draft stock and give bill beaten Give Oklahoma credit. John, they were able to come in and get this thing done. And I think, you know, to me, I told you this in yesterday's show, for those maybe that missed it, to me it read like a Brent Venable's over the top, came in, sealed the deal, won the recruiting pitch, just the little statement that he put out. So I I absolutely, I think he's somebody that can step right in and be a difference maker, John. And that's somebody that, again, you start kind of putting the puzzle pieces together. I know I'm backtracking here to our previous talking point. I just wanted to share this with you. This is from CBS Sports. Auburn, Miami, Michigan State, Nebraska, and Texas A&M. Those were the teams that Fornelli had as the five losing teams that can – surprise like TCU in 2023. I hear those names and look, you're not keeping great company, right? When you finish six and seven and it's, Hey, which losing season team can make that leapfrog jump into TCU status and get into a national championship game. But are you kidding me? Auburn, Miami, Michigan state, Nebraska, and A&M. And those that's, that's the competition for can Oklahoma make that jump or those schools. Absolutely. With the addition of somebody to bring it back full circle here, the addition of somebody like a Walter Rouse, John, that started as many games as he has the quarterback that you've got coming back in Dylan Gabriel. That's a, a great starting point that a lot of those schools right there, they don't have that John. So it's not crazy to think that Oklahoma yes, can contend for a big 12 championship. It'd be a serious national factor.
0: Yeah. I saw those names too. And I just kind of shook my head at, at them. Um, I just don't get it unless you're expecting like, you know, all those defensive line prospects that AM added to really like make a leap and become elite players along the defensive front. Yeah. Otherwise I just don't see those five being national title contenders next year. Um, the next one that I think is for me is kind of a, a no brainer is Deshaun McCullough. He's a guy that's got production. He's got the athleticism. It sounds like they're marking him for cheetah to replace Deshaun white which given his experience as a safety, given his experience both as an, as an edge rusher for Indiana, I feel like he kind of fits the bill. Someone who can rush the passer, someone who can play in coverage, play a little linebacker. I feel like that's a guy that kind of makes sense as kind of the, and I know Justin Harrington's still going to be there and he'll compete for snaps with them at that position. But I think Deshaun McCullough, ultimately his athleticism, his ability to rush the passer gives him the chance to be the most Isaiah Simmons-like on this team.
2: So tell me if you agree with this. I know I kind of, I don't know, jumped the shark or <laughs> went back to the first question without addressing the, which transfer portal additions are most impactful or which under the radar transfer portal addition. I think that's what the uh, K sports account tweeted out, right? Which, which transfer portal addition for Oklahoma are we not talking enough about? So you tell me if you agree with this or not in terms of power ranking, the expectation of impact immediately from these transfer portal additions. I would have Deshaun Sean number one on my big board in terms of my expectations, the, what seems to be just kind of reading the Oklahoma fan base's expectations. I think Oklahoma fans are expecting a ton out of Deshaun McCullough. So it, it, take that to mean this. I, I can't draft him as my who's under the radar, right? Because I think Oklahoma fans feel like that's almost, Almost kind of a given based on what he did as a as a freshman with Indiana. Okay, so he would be one. I would put Stogner two, I think on my who we expect to be definite difference makers, Big board out of the transfer transfer portal. And then after that, I'm probably looking Rondell Bothroyd or Trace Ford's direction. Maybe Reggie Pearson right there, but all of which is to say with those names out of the picture, as the most likely to be impactful out of the transfer portal, John. That then turns my attention to one of the defensive tackles. I kind of say, okay, can we get something? Can Oklahoma find something out of either Jacob Lacey or Devon Sears? And if they do, and they pair that with some of what they already have on campus and what we expect a couple of those edge guys out of the transfer portal to add, John, now all of a sudden you could be talking about a defense that is rapidly, rapidly improved basically overnight
0: yeah so much also depends on isaiah co and jordan kelly kind of taking another step if you get jacob lacy davin sears and those guys are legit players for you especially lacy i think if he can be kind of the jeffrey johnson but better run stuffing defensive tackle but provides a little bit as a pass rusher then i think that's huge if you can get davin sears who again just texas state we say just texas state but tennessee wanted him penn state wanted him Those are two legit programs that are trying to build defenses that can contend at the highest level. So he's not like – Texas State is actually a program that's on the rise. They're making some pretty significant investments in their college football program. So don't sleep on Texas State transfers just because they're coming from Texas State. I think that if they are able to get something out of the defensive tackle position, just a a group as a whole, improve pass rush. Because that's where really – really where a defense can make a huge difference is getting some interior pass rush because it's really really difficult for quarterbacks if they can't have anywhere to step up in the pocket and they're having to always backtrack or bail out to the side that makes life a little bit more difficult so I really like the addition the additions I I think as a group they have a chance to be impactful I I like that you mentioned Austin Stogner kind of up at the top he's a guy that we're kind of sleeping on a little bit and I think more it's just because familiarity. We talked about this with Parker last week. Just we're used to him. We know what Austin Stogner is and what he can be, what he can do. But I do think that he's going to be a guy that has a huge impact on this team. We saw what Braden Willis was able to do with a full complement of snaps at tight end. Austin Stogner arguably is the better receiver. So Potentially he could have an even bigger season than what Brayden Willis just had. And Brayden Willis led the team in touchdowns. And then you talked about Ronald Bothroy. That's the dude I'm most excited about when I saw the production that he had at wake wake forest and that they were pursuing him. I thought that's it. That's, that's a game changer right there. It sounds like he's probably more suited to be, you know, a three man alignment defensive end and then kick inside when it's four man fronts. I like that versatility if he's a dude that can come in and provide six, seven sacks for you this year, that's a huge addition. And it's going to make an, an enormous difference for this defense because then it opens things up for everybody else. And even just showing up, just getting on campus, having a guy with 14 and a half sacks to his name. Sorry, I got distracted. Cause I got a buddy that's texting me about Dak and how well he's playing. Who's not a Cowboys fan. So um, if he can just by bringing the 14 and a half sacks over the last two years to Norman, that's going to put offensive coordinators and offensive line coaches on edge. They've got to be aware of this guy. They've got a game plan for this guy and that's going to open things up for everybody else. And that's the, that's the thing you didn't have on this team last year. You didn't have anybody on the defense that the offense had to worry about, had to scheme against, had to make sure like, Hey, we got to make sure we're you know contributing enough blocking to this guy so that we can you know get our pass protection, right. Or get our, our run game going. And he's a difference maker in both the run game and as a pass rusher. So that's that's a huge addition for Oklahoma. And and I, I think you know Reggie Pearson. You look at kind of some of the the advanced analytics over at Pro Football Focus, which I love. I love all that stat stuff. That that just speaks you know volumes to me. He's he had a lot of missed tackles, a high missed tackle percentage. You can't ignore that. But what I saw in the Texas Tech game or the Oklahoma Texas Tech game in particular. The thing that stands out to me is that he just plays very fast and aggressive. And that's also something that was missing on this defense. There's way too many guys that I felt like were letting the game come to them as opposed to trying to take fight to the offense a little bit. And that's what Brent Venables wants on his defense, right? He wants guys that are going to go at you. They're bringing the thunder, they're bringing the hit, they're going to initiate contact, they're going to try and instill their will. And I think that's why Reggie Pearson is, is going to be a really good addition for this defense because he just brings a different energy and an attitude. The hit he laid on Eric Gray, the hit he laid on Dylan Gabriel, we don't have that, or we didn't have that in 2022. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he might be able to just kind of instill a little bit more like edge and nasty and physicality in this defense. Like If he can bring that out of Danny Stutzman a little bit, boy, dude, that's, that's a game changer for a guy like that. Who does have a ton of tackles. He's going to make a lot of plays for you, but you bring some nasty to his game. And I think it just like raises it to another level.
2: All levels of the defense, right? You're hoping you can find a little bit more of that physicality, that nasty. And that's why, again, I go back to in terms of guys that are perhaps a little underrated out of the transfer portal relative to sort of my expectations for them. And maybe what the fan base just not, not being the uh, sooner, doctor here right but just kind of reading the the pulse of the fan base at times you know either lacy or you know david sears i think one of those two guys if they can bring some nasty up front to pair with the co would just be would be huge then you're talking all levels because i think we're due for a breakout season obviously for jaron Canick, i think his athleticism you pair it with mccola and with stutzman and i think you're about to have the best collection of linebackers on one Oklahoma team that we've had in Norman in some time, just sheer athleticism. <laughs> that's that's a pretty nice place to start. And then, as you mentioned with Pearson, you bring that physicality to uh, the back end of the defense. I like this from Jimmy. I like Schaefer, the offensive guard we've got. I'm glad he brought that up because that was another name I was going to get to next. With what you have with McCade Metaulier, we saw some really, really exciting things with Savion Bird versus Florida State. Speaking of having a nasty streak, that's something that you'd love to have up front, uh, you know, offensive, interior offensive line, right? Offensive guard, center, tackles, everybody up front, offensive line. I think you see a little nasty. I think you see a little uh, aggression, a little physicality from one Savion Bird. So that's an exciting group. You start thinking about what the guard rotation looks like for Oklahoma. Matayer, Bird, Taylor, and Utah Schaefer into that mix. Again, somebody that's played a lot of football, John. That could be someone that, depending upon how the spring goes – and just this offseason in general, that could be a name that okay, we're coming back to like, yes, yeah, slept on Schaefer a little bit out of
0: the portal. Yeah, we talk about another guy with experience, and I think that makes a a big difference. So if you get a guy like him, and you have a combination between him and saving on Bird, whoever wins that job, it's just going to raise their game, and it's going to provide a little bit better, you know, replacement for Chris Murray if you because you got a guy with experience, you got a guy with upside throw them into the mix. And, and we've seen this team rotate offensive linemen too. So it's not like whoever doesn't start, isn't going to get to play. There might be games and matchups where Savion on birds a better option than, you know, Caleb Schaefer at some point. So I, I think that was going to be, I think it's going to be an interesting one uh, to follow there. Uh, a few questions just on transfer portal. Um, Nate pointer asks, can McCullough cover? Did he cover at Indiana? I thought he played only edge. Yeah. He was primarily an edge guy but he did play safety in high school. So that kind of gives you a little bit of indication of what he's capable of a dude that was six, four, six, five playing safety uh, for his high school squad. They could also bump down and play edge. I think it's going to be the linebacker and that's going to be a question. I mean, for any of these linebackers, because their coverage for the Oklahoma Sooners in 2022 was so spotty. So that's going to be a question we follow all off season and into 2023. Can they cover? Cause you got to be able to cover in the big 12. You got to be able to cover at any level of college football anymore, whether it's the sec or the big 12, because teams are going to throw the football quite a bit. Your linebackers have to cover. So if not. Oh, Josh froze up on us. We thought we had these solved by jumping from restream to stream yard. Um, you know, Jimmy asks, are we going after a linebacker in the portal? I would like them to, I would like them to add an inside linebacker at the same time you've got guys, you know, in the house that you really like in Jaron Cannick, Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis. You'd like to think that between that trio of, you know, now coming into their second year in Norman amongst that trio, that you have a guy that could step up and become a starter for you. And then you've got, you know, three guys coming in behind them: Phil Picciotti, Lewis Carter, and uh, Sammy Omicigo, you know, Omicigo, you know Parker Thune. He said that's the guy that could probably step in and play right away. He's just physically ready to do so. Lewis Carter was the one that Brent Venables mentioned uh, on his signing day press conference as a guy that he he played the fastest and the most physical of, of any guy I've seen. Uh, and then Phil Picciotti, I mean, that dude just looks like a a, a grown man already. Somebody who got the super serum, sir, a super soldier serum uh, down there at the IMG Academy. He just chiseled chiseled dude. So. I'm not going to say that they're going to sit there and rely on, you know, true freshman linebackers, but I think your linebacker group looks a whole lot better right now than it did a year ago. You know, even though you had veteran linebacker options, I think the talent level with your second year guys and your first year guys that I think it's a whole lot better. And you have a lot of really nice options to choose from here. So the question was, Josh, are they pursuing a linebacker in the portal?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they kind of went and got their linebacker in the portal in McCullough, right? And you're kind of hoping that what you have in-house develops into stardom in, in one canic and in maybe a couple other names there. Did a- I-, I don't know if I maybe cut out and you didn't get to answer this question or didn't even hear this question. If not Deshaun McCullough at Cheetah, what do you anticipate there? for OU?
0: I mean, right now, I think it'd be Justin Harrington just because he's the guy that was kind of the the number two cheetah there. But it wouldn't surprise me to see a guy like Jaron Canning play cheetah because we saw them use him in that role whenever uh, Deshaun White was out against Nebraska. And he was very effective as a pass rusher. He was very effective in coverage. He was very effective as a linebacker. So that would be interesting to me too if they decide, hey, let's put McCullough in David Agwebu's spot, use his athleticism there. And then we use a guy like, you know, Jaron Cannick, who could play linebacker could play safety could play slot for you. He just could do so many different things for you. And we saw him as an edge rusher against Nebraska. I think it's a really intriguing option too. If you decide to go that route where it's, you know, Danny Stutzman and McCullough as your inside linebackers, Kanik as your cheetah, it provides a ton of athleticism out there and a ton of speed to go with, you know, Danny Stutzman's size and physicality. So it'll be an intriguing option there. Um, I think there was one more question somewhere. I can't remember. Do we think Caden Green gets any playing time early on? Good
2: question, 405 boy. Just judging the sort of lay of the land there with both both Harrison and Morris out, we saw – I think I think Guyton, to me, seems to be a natural candidate to be the starting right tackle. And Walter Rouse, it feels like, right, we, we said this earlier – seems like he's probably not coming to Norman, right? And probably not flipping from Nebraska to Oklahoma if he's more than likely not penciled in as the starting left tackle. So I would probably say those two, to me right now, if you asked me, pick the starting tackles for Oklahoma going into next season, that would be that would be what I'm looking at. Rouse left tackle, Guyton right. But I think Caden Green's special enough. I think he's talented enough that because of, The losses of both Harrison and Morris, and because of the injury to Sexton, and uh, because of again some of the relative still playing time, inexperience of Aaron Parks, and just the raw talent of Caden Green, it's not going to shock me, John, if Caden Green's on the two deep by the time we we boot off next season, or just at some point next season. I don't think he starts for OU next year, barring you know, knock on wood here some some injury problems and what have you. But uh, I do think he's got a chance to be a factor straight away, you know, second on the depth chart type level.
0: I think that's reasonable because we saw Jacob Sexton, Jake Taylor become two deep guys on the offensive line this year too. So Caden Green being a two deep guy, that's not improbable. And then some of it will just kind of depend on health. I mean, they were really healthy along the offensive line this year. You, know, you had Wani Morris miss some time and Anton Harrison miss time, but only Tyler Guyton was the guy was really the only guy that got significant playing time off the bench on the offensive line. So you didn't have to go to the two deep very often. Uh, And when you did, it was your kind of your swing tackle, your third tackle, and Tyler Guyton that was kind of taking all those reps. So, you know, it's going to be a really interesting thing. And and the great it's a great problem to have, that you have options. You have guys that you really, really like, and you think that it's going to be a good group to work with because if between Savion Bird and uh, Caleb Schaefer – Caden green, you know, um, Walter Rouse, left tackle, Tyler Guyton. If you're able to come up with three guys out of that group that you feel really, really good about, I think you're in a really good position on the offensive line to kind of take another step forward, you know? And well, one thing we saw out of Jeff Levy's offense this year is they like to run the ball. And so I think they want to be really, really physical up front. And you got a guy in Walter Rouse that's able to do that. Got a guy in Caden green that, I mean, just look at his all American Bowl or all American game, you know, one-on-one drills. Dude's physical. He's nasty. He's going to, he's going to get in people's faces, but he may not be the guy just yet, but then, you know, Caleb Schaefer, saving on bird, really good options at guard as well. And then we've seen what Tyler Guyton can do. And I think another year, another off season with Bill Bedenboe, another off season with, uh, with Schmitty is going to put him in a better position to have an even better year going into 2023. It's, it's a really, really, I don't know exciting group i think even though you're losing three starters i think there's a lot to be excited about along the offensive line again it's just going to come down to who steps up and how is there any drop off and if not can they be better than what they were last year uh any other kind of transfer portal guys that you feel like could kind of step up and be you know I, andrew anthony we haven't really talked about him going into the wide receiver group Was that where you're going right there um That's i think he's man. an i think he's an intriguing player they've got a really Good group of intriguing players, you know, with him and Hester and, you know, Bunkley Shelton and, you know, Gavin Freeman and the freshman Keon Brown and Jaquaze Petaway and Nick Anderson and, and, uh, Jaden Gibson. And so there's a lot of like really nice options there. Who do you think is going to kind of be the favorite, uh, to lead the, the wider, rec- wide receiver two battle?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's wide open to me if, if you're asking me right now today based on what we saw this past season, you know, kind of feel like Drake Stoops will be a solid third for you. I, I sort of feel like possession receiver, you know what you're going to get will be productive, but that's not your second most explosive receiver on the roster right in Drake's tubes. Great to have back. Huge for Oklahoma. He'll be obviously a contributor again, but I wouldn't put him in that that number two slot for me probably. Jaleel Farouk, easy to put him at number one. And then honestly, man, again, I think it's wide open. Haven't seen enough from either Jaden Gibson or Nick Anderson to really feel comfortable saying their name right there. Because of that, even though Andrell Anthony Jr. comes to Oklahoma with Again, w- really one good game versus Michigan State. Not even this past season, but the year before that ago, uh, as you know, kind of the big, the big notch in his belt. Man, just because of the 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 lay of the land and the state of the room and the wide receiver position for Oklahoma, I, I flip on the highlights. I see the the ability to burn. I see six two one seventy five. I think he's going to have every opportunity, man, to step in and be a difference maker. And then the unknown, right? We just don't know how ready right here, right now, will either Jaquaze Petaway or Keon Brown be. The, uh, the blue chip ratings out there would tell us that there's a good chance one of those two guys could be in the mix for it. So long way to answer that. I have no idea who the number two wide receiver for Oklahoma is.
0: They've got options. Now, it's always going to be hard to replace a guy like Marvin Mims But I feel like they've got some intriguing players that are going to have that deep threat ability. I'm really excited about Jaleel Farouk. I think he's more of that kind of traditional wide receiver one where he's a guy that can win at various levels of the field. Marvin Mims, a fantastic deep threat, wins deep very well, good in contested catches. But I felt like he didn't help Oklahoma enough in the short to intermediate part of the field. And so that's where I'm really hoping that Jillo fruit takes the next step. Uh, Jimmy kind of brings up a good question. Like who are the, like the true freshmen you think could play right away? I mean, he talks about, you know, Jaquez Petaway should get playing time as a freshman and he's got the, he's got the speed. He's got the wheels to be able to get on the field early. We saw Gavin Freeman do that for the Sooners, but he's not an early enrollee for the Sooners. He's not going to be coming until summer. And so I I wonder if that might stunt his ability to get on the field early. I would love to see them put them on the field early, but we saw what Brent Venables kind of how they rolled out their freshman this year. It was very reluctantly at times. Um, so we'll see how that goes with Jaquoise Petaway, but other freshmen we talked about Caden green a little bit um, who stands out. And I, and I kind of want to go away from like PJ because a because five-star guy, we, we kind of expect him to end up on the two deep as well. Peyton Bowen, another one of those guys, any other kind of true freshman you think, all right, this is the guy I'm really looking forward to seeing maybe break through and get some reps.
2: Well, okay, so because you didn't get Matt Lee out of the transfer portal, we, we played our little game, would you rather have Rouse or would you rather have Lee? Whatever, neither here nor there, right? You would have loved to have them both, but you end up splitting the difference. You get Rouse, you don't get Lee, who's talented center out of UCF. That, to me, means that it's not crazy that Joshua Bates again could be involved in some capacity early at Oklahoma. So that would be, I think, a name to watch along the offensive line for OU. And then, if you know, if I could just not take one of those names that you mentioned, PJ Atabari or Peyton Bowen, that are the, the five star guys in this class, but take somebody else that's very highly thought of uh, along the defensive front. Oklahoma's looking for difference makers there, man. They're looking for game wreckers up front. Maybe Derek LeBlanc can step right in, wow some people as an early enrollee, and and be that kind of guy for Oklahoma. That, to me, the door right there is swung wide open for guys along the defensive front, John, and in the wide receiver room to step in right now, tomorrow, and be difference makers at Oklahoma. And I... I don't think that you totally reinvent the wheel or change your approach after a six and seven season. And honestly, it would be a little bit of, I don't know if you would say it's full on panic button, but I could understand or entertain the argument if a fan turned around John and said, okay, this is like very concerning that Oklahoma has totally changed its approach coming off this last season. But having said that six and seven to me, I do think opens up the door for Brent Venables and this staff to say, You know what? We are more open to, I know we're not saying the names Bowen or Adebare, but getting a Bowen, getting an Atabare, giving LeBlanc some run, all of these guys, right, to get these guys that we've signed that are my players and getting them on the field now.
0: Yeah. Jimmy mentioned Picciotti. I think that's another intriguing name. I mean, you look at the cornerbacks like McCarty Vickers, uh, Josiah Wagner. I I think those are two intriguing names as well. Jacoby Johnson, because like you're coming back with Woody Washington as your only starter, you're expecting Gentry Williams. I'm expecting Gentry Williams to kind of take the next step and become a starter for the Sooners. But um, if if it's not him, you've got some intriguing true freshman options at cornerback that you could probably deploy. Kendall Dolby will also be an interesting option as a Juco transfer. So they've, they've got some intriguing spots that, that they can see true freshmen step up and take some snaps. I mean, like I said, the cornerbacks will be an interesting one to watch because, again, Woody Washington's the, the starter returning. Jaden Davis is returning as well, but this coaching staff saw a lot of Jaden Davis last year, decided to go with CJ Colden down the stretch. Colden's gone. Now you've got an opportunity to to create some competition at cornerback and see who rises to the top. So, uh, another, I don't know, fascinating offseason all season long it's going to be uh, for the Oklahoma Sooners. Anything that you want to touch on, Josh before we kind of start to get out of here, any questions that y'all have that you want you want us to talk about, answer, let us know. We'll we'll touch on those. So, we'll go,
2: I think Full run and completely in-depth on this tomorrow's episode of Locked On Sooners. But just in terms of the, hey, good evening, if you're joining us live and you missed the breaking news note today because, hey, it's uh, it's MLK Day and maybe you didn't work or you had something going on, you're with family, doing whatever, right? Not kind of your your regular working Monday for many out there. If you missed the note, Blake Smith transferring from Texas A&M to Oklahoma. So that's something we can dive into this, uh, with with all due respect, and I'm not trying to be. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to downplay the addition here, but this feels like out of all of the transfer portal additions for me, John, this would be more of just of the depth variety. Just looking at the production so far for Blake Smith, he's only seen action in six games over the course of his career. He'll be a redshirt junior next year with Oklahoma. I kind of look at it and still feel like even bringing Blake Smith on board, who's a six foot four. 250-some-odd-pound uh, tight end out of A&M. I kind of look at it, former three-star signee, and say because he's this far along in his career and there's only this amount of production, I'm looking for it to be the Austin Stogner show. And I still think both Caden Helms or Jason Llewellyn are legitimate candidates to take big-time production leaps this season and probably supplant even a new Transfer Portal edition here in Blake Smith. But that would be the other uh, news and note today that we haven't touched on.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. He feels like a depth addition. It feels very much like the Daniel Parker type addition, right? A guy that's going to be coming in, probably be a tight end two, tight end three, someone who can run block for you, play special teams. You're not going to see them throw the ball to him a ton. There might be a few options where he gets the ball you know, thrown his way, but it's not going to be very often. But I, I'm with you. I think it's Jason Llewellyn. This seems like the, hey, if Llewellyn doesn't take the step up to be our tight end two, in 12 personnel or Caden Helms doesn't take the step to to really be that receiving threat that we think he can be, then yeah, you got a guy that's got a little bit of experience that can kind of help supplement that as those guys break in uh, to their second year with the Oklahoma Sooners and really start to get some opportunities and see some action because it's, you know, it's a different game. When you go from the high school level to the college level, the whole, you know, you're playing against better competition the physicality is more, the size that you're playing against is more or is bigger. So there's a bit of an adjustment period that takes place in that. So having a guy with a little bit of experience to back up Austin Stogner, and then you hope, as we talk about all the time with these transfer guys, you hope that a guy like Jason Llewellyn takes a step up and he's your tight end to in 12 personnel, 13 personnel, then Caden Helms, when you need a receiving tight end, he's kind of your tight end to behind Stogner on that front. So Another, you know, it's an intriguing addition. You're not going to find stars at every position in the transfer portal. You got to find depth. You got to improve, and you got to improve your depth. And that's what they're doing with this addition. So I I like it. Um, I think it's a really good, good option for them. Um, You know, Nate Pointer points out if, if Peyton doesn't start or play a lot of safety, he should be a day one starting punt returner. He's special when he gets the hand on his ball. Hand, gets his hands on the ball sorry guys um I, I agree i think he'll get some run there billy bowman again is a really good you know kick returner punt returner um they're gonna have a lot of really intriguing options i think returning kicks with what they're doing with their athletes i mean you go back and watch a lot of these guys huddle tapes and or huddle highlights and there's a lot of dudes that return kicks uh whether it's Josiah wagner that's another guy that's really really good returning kicks uh caleb hicks i mean that's a different dude you know uh Dalen smothers like they've got a lot of really intriguing options but i think peyton bowen that would be a really good way to kind of get him involved even if you don't plan on running him out there for 30 40 snaps a game on defense
2: yeah no it's uh proven not just at oklahoma but in college football that's oftentimes a great way to take the training wheels off is to let somebody be special in special teams and oh by the way this is uh, from the Texas Tech depth chart I'm looking at right now. Marcus Major, Jaleel Farouk, Gavin Freeman were your kick returners. And Mims, Gray, LV Bunkley, Shelton were your punt returners. So definitely, yes, on the punt return side, you're, you're replacing both of those uh, top two options right there. So that could swing the, the door open there to let him see the uh, the field a little bit early. And uh, obviously, again, kind of take the training wheels off, which, hey, somebody that's that athletic and that special, get them out there. Let them them have an opportunity to go make plays for you.
0: Yeah. And speaking of people making plays, CD Lamb just made a play on fourth and four. Give the Dallas Cowboys a 30 to six lead. They opted to go for it when uh, they could have kicked a field goal because their field goal kicker can't kick. Apparently tonight, Tampa Bay is just like, put the hex on Brett Maher tonight and he can't hit anything. So. I like the call by Mike McCarthy to go for it on fourth and four Dak hits CD with a dime and uh, yeah, trying to um, prevent any sort of Tom Brady, 45 year old miracle comeback uh, down there at Raymond James stadium tonight. So man, it's <laughs> uh last uh, thing. Maybe we can touch on here from Bose. Bose, Bose one, we'll go with Bose one. Uh, here's hoping for revenge against Texas and Kansas state and all of the teams that we play sooner. Boom sooner bow. I don't know. Um, yeah, man, that Texas game, like it still like sits in the, it's like sits in my crawl. Like it still gets at me uh, the way that that whole thing went down. And that's the thing I'm a little bit more encouraged about because how bad that was their quarterback situation is so much better this year that if something were to happen to Dylan Gabriel and you got to go to Jackson Arnold, you got to go to a backup quarterback. It's got to be Jackson Arnold. And it actually gives you a chance to win a game because of his ability to throw the football and run the football that Davis Bevel just didn't provide for you. So, yes, got to get got to get better against you know against uh, Texas this year. Um, I, I think they'll be better against Kansas State. We don't have the Deuce Vaughn thing to worry about anymore. And I kind of on that note, Josh, like who who are the teams that you're looking at that you feel like? We'll, will kind of be the favorites. You know, we can talk about the top three, top four, something like that. Yes. Quinn, Ewers sucks. So you will beat them next year. He's okay. I mean, he's good enough. You know, I feel like he's better than Blake Shapin. and Blake Shapin put up how many points against Oklahoma's defense, 42, something like that. So I don't know. He's not the worst quarterback in the big 12 Quinn Ewers. He might not be the best, but who could you point to and say, yes, that person is the best quarterback in the big 12. Maybe it's still in Gabriel. Maybe it's will Howard. crazy yeah, it's,
2: it, it's probably one of those two. It, it's probably one of those two. It's either Gabriel or will or will Howard and I, I put that back up from Sooner Bo just because Texas and Kansas State, the the revenge thing right there, John, you get revenge against those two you're probably going to the big 12 championship game. right now the again, things can change and uh, we didn't see TCU coming out of left field last season but uh i mean right now typically the on paper to some degree john does play out now it didn't it didn't in 2022 the two on papers really i think most people would agree really the three on papers for the big 12 last season would have been oklahoma would have been baylor and would have been oklahoma state and yeah oklahoma state had its injury concerns and then oklahoma and baylor just it, it didn't work out for either one of those two so the the on papers in the big 12 they, they weren't a factor for the Big 12 championship. Expecting that to happen again, I think, is probably pretty unlikely. So all of that is to say, man, if you do take care of business and get revenge on both Texas and Kansas State, I think that means Oklahoma is sitting pretty in terms of this uh, this Big 12 conference race.
0: Yeah, and quick update, Brett Maher did hit an extra point. So now it's 31-6 Dallas Cowboys. That's terrible. He was going for the record. Hey, man, I'm, I'm just glad he hit one. There we go. Praise Jesus. Um, No, I'm with you, man. I think it's an interesting season in the big 12 because I think Oklahoma State takes a big step back. I don't know what to make of Baylor. I thought they were going to be a team that improved on what they did back in 2021, and their defense got worse under Dave Aranda. Blake Shapen is still the starter at Baylor, and he's just kind of up and down. Like He can play some really good football for you. Other other times it's like, eh, it's kind of okay. Um, You know, Will Howard at Kansas State is intriguing, but you lose Malik Knowles, you lose Deuce Vaughn, uh, you're going to lose Felix Anaduke Azuma. Like, those are huge losses for you. Uh, I don't think Iowa State comes up from the bottom. I don't think that they've got the offense that's going to be able to make that defense something special again. I don't think any of the four new teams are going to be necessarily big threats at the big 12, you know, BYU is losing Jaron Hall. UCF will be intriguing, but um, yeah, there's not a lot of like big, like heavy favorites aside from what I kind of think of as Texas is a really good team. Texas tech might be a team that, you know, poses some problems for the Sooners. We saw what uh, Tyler Shuck was able to do this last season, but again, that's a defense that wasn't very good either. So man, the big 12 is just, it's going to be, 100% 100% up in the air. You're going to see publications from all over the national media, pick a different team to be the favorite in the big 12. We lost Josh here for a second, but we're going to finish up here and we'll, we'll close it out. Uh, so any more questions you might have, we'll, we'll wrap it up with that. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of lockdown Sooners live. We always love doing this with you. Um, here's Josh back. Um, but yeah, I think this is just a, a season and a, a conference or there's not going to be a clear favorite. And we probably won't know who the top two teams in the conference are going to be until the final couple weeks of the season. Like, I don't think that there's going to be two teams that just kind of run away from everybody else. I think there might be one, but I don't even know if there'll be one team like this past year that ran away from everybody else. I think you're going to have like four or five teams battling it out in November to see who represents in the big 12 championship.
2: I think that's true, too, and that's what's going to make this a fun offseason and pretty interesting going into next year is you can make an argument for a lot of different teams to uh, to win the Big 12 championship next year. And if there is one team that's head above uh, everybody else, head and shoulders above everybody else, not the craziest thing. I know we kind of opened talking about Joel Klatt saying, could Oklahoma be the next TCU for next season? I'm not ruling it out that Oklahoma – is the head and shoulders team above everybody else. Because again, there's just, you know, beyond outside of Oklahoma, there's, there's not a team that does this thing like. Uh, now will obviously
0: uh,
2: out all plays. That's going to be fun. Hey, thank you guys. For-
0: yeah. Jimmy's going to call it Oklahoma big 12 champs next year. Nate brings up a good point. Who has the most four and five stars in the big 12? Is that a little measuring stick to kind of show who the favorite, in the league. Oh, you wins big 12 next year. Love it. Love it. Bring it, bring that confidence. I'm not there yet. I was, I was so bought in last year and it burned me. So I'm going to lay back just a little bit, just kind of see what the rest of the offseason season, un, you know, how it unfolds and maybe cut. you know, this time, April, May, summertime, August, I'll be ready to buy in. I'll be ready to like drink that Kool-Aid and, and, you know, call Oklahoma Sooners the favorites. I like what they're doing. I really, really like what they're doing. I know we've had, a, <laughs> I know we've had a couple people talk about how I've just been so negative lately. That's what happens when you follow the Dallas Cowboys and your college team had a six and seven season. I've always been able to lean on the Oklahoma Sooners to give me my fun uh, in the fall because my Dallas Cowboys have always been terrible uh, or average, I'll say. And so you know, I, I got a little hurt this year by the Oklahoma Sooners season, but. I do really, really, really like what they've done in the transfer portal. Obviously, love their recruiting class, love the additions that they've made. I really like the wide receiver coach addition uh, that they made recently. I, I think that's a dude that's got a bit of dog in him, and he's going to bring that out in a guy like Jalil Farouk. I, I've said it multiple times, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on this show, I'm all in on Jalil Farouk. I think the dude's going to have a monster monster year for oklahoma next year may not be a thousand yard season but i think he's gonna like receiving season but i think he'll approach a thousand yards total yards rushing and receiving for oklahoma just because he's that dynamic of a player with the ball in his hands so yeah josh anything else before we sign off here
2: Uh, no not necessarily just uh thank you guys for your continued support of locked on sooners Your team every single day, right here on the Locked On, well, the Locked On Network and this, the Locked On Sooners podcast. Appreciate you guys hopping on the live show. It's very fun for us. Uh, For John, I'm Josh, and uh, we'll do it again soon, shall we?
0: Y'all have a good night. Enjoy the rest of this uh, Tom Brady beatdown. I'm sorry if you're a Bucks fan, but I'm going to try to enjoy it myself. But until next time, he's Josh. I'm John. Boomer Sooner.
1: When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy.